listening to The Defiant Ones, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of Defy. Hey, what's going on? It's Kevin Deers, and you're now watching and listening to The Defiant Ones, the Defiant Patreon podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this year. 2021 saw the return of Defy in such glorious fashion to Washington Hall, uh, to Portland. There was a show in L.A. It's been amazing to be back in Washington Hall with everyone and, and, and be able to experience Defy once more Uh so awesome this last uh this last event we got to see christopher daniels he became the interim defy champion and we will definitely see what happens with that as uh ravenous randy myers is still the defy champion and with christopher daniels as interim we'll see where that goes pretty excited to see uh possibly a matchup between them in the future or you know we'll see uh 2022 is 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 on the horizon and with uh, the last couple days of 2021, I just wanted to send out a big thank you and a shout out to everyone in The Defiance and anyone here that's watching this on Patreon for being a supporter and for letting us get through these hard times. And, you know, and, 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 and I just wanted to send out a big thank you and uh, a lot of love for, for always supporting here on The Defiance Patreon. So without any further ado, I'm going to jump into an episode, uh, an hour-long conversation with Rich Bokini. Now, if you watch Defy On Demand through DefyOnDemand.com, you probably know Rich Bokini as the voice of Defy. Uh, he is uh, a very talented play-by-play uh, -play man, a, a wrestling announcer. He's done other sports, though, like hockey and, and a ton of other things. He's been in a bunch of bands growing up. Uh, so I got to talk with Rich Bokini uh, from his home in Florida, and uh, we get into a lot of really cool conversations. Uh, so enjoy my conversation with Rich Bokini here on The Defiant Ones. Hey, what's going on? It's The Defiant Ones. Right now we're talking with Rich Bokini. He is the voice of Defy. If you've never checked out one of the actual uh, videos from defyondemand.com, he is the voice, uh, Rich Bocchini. He's not the guy in the in the ring. Well, that's Steve Miggs, but this is the guy calling all the action. So he's very familiar with all the Defy wrestlers. He is he is a valuable part of the Defiance, and uh, he's he's hanging out now in 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 Florida and in in his home in Florida. Uh, how are you doing, man? Ah, uh, fantastic. Uh, I appreciate you asking me to to be on here. It's good to good to chat. We bumped into each other here and there, and. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, have never really had a, a chance, I, I think, to actually really sit down and talk. So, yeah. um, so you know, so so this is cool. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny thinking that uh, I'm sitting here in Gainesville, Florida, and uh, yeah. you know, you're over there in Seattle, and here we are. So it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, definitely a lot of fun. So Gainesville, Florida. All I, all I really know about Gainesville is that's where the fest is from, uh -huh. and that's where Less Than Jake is from. The, yes the ska band are mm -hmm. are you yeah you know pretty because i saw you were wearing a fest hoodie yeah um so i'm assuming you you've gone to the fest a lot because you do yep. commentary for the for the, for the fest wrestling yep um are you into that kind of music oh yeah 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 i'm uh i i grew up in uh i grew up in providence okay uh at the time there was a you know late 80s early really early 90s for me but there was there was a you know a thriving music scene mm-hmm that I was part of in, in some form or fashion, uh, played in bands growing up, doing all that, you know, went to hardcore shows as, really? as a kid. Yeah, as a matter of fact, somebody just posted, uh, 
video from a a, a burn show at club babyhead wow. which yeah. was it was it was the rocket then it was club babyhead and it was yeah. kind of a legendary club in providence and it was like from 1990 and i was like oh shit, i was at that show it was like, they used to do saturday matinee shows wow I was, you know 14 years old or whatever and um so it was kind of it was kind of fun seeing that so yeah you know you mentioned fest um there's a whole roundabout way that i ended up getting in, in, involved in that but um <coughs> excuse me the funny thing is uh tony the guy that runs fest and also runs fest wrestling mm-hmm. uh god i just sorry i'm coughed here um uh, i actually lived in his house oh really for a while yeah uh me and uh, me and my roommate just moved yeah but we rented a house from tony who runs fest yeah um and uh every now and then i'll needle him say hey you should see about trying to get so-and-so for fest like i, I kind of pushed him it's like hey man you should try to get Raider maria and sure got Raider yeah. maria for fest a couple yeah. years ago and you know he, he was like hey dude i got Raider maria i'm like oh Thank that's God. awesome you know so you know th- things like that so yeah i'm definitely into that stuff um and uh it's just kind of funny the way that the uh the music i'm into mm-hmm. uh you know kind of the you know for for lack of a better term the punk rock scene and the wrestling scene is kind of melded together for me so well damien abraham singer of fucked up does a podcast and and uh turned out a punk is and he's interviewed so many wrestlers and he calls it the re- punk and wrestling connection <clears throat> And in a lot of it, you know, there is there's like members of Neurosis and like all these big influential bands that are big wrestling heads. Neurosis is into wrestling. Yep. At least really? Scott Kelly. Scott Kelly. So from Neurosis Soul, Souls a, at Zero is one. It's one of my favorite records. Love Souls at Zero by Neurosis. Yep. Scott yeah. Kelly's probably listened to you do commentary quite a few times. No He's kidding. A huge huh? wrestling fan. Yep. I should I should send him a note or something just to. Hey, man, like I Souls at that record just still blows my mind so i talked with steve Miggs on the last interview and we talked a lot about you know him growing up in in brooklyn and his big three <coughs> he was a big typo negative life of agony and biohazard those mm-hmm. were like because they were the brooklyn bands he must have gone to lamore all the time then, oh right? that's yep that's yeah to lamore yeah so yeah what were your you know growing up what were your favorite bands oh man um you know if, if you go back to when i was a kid um like a little kid eight nine years old huge u2 fan like mm-hmm. um you know the early stuff yes and uh, I, I, I got into them probably 83 ish mm-hmm. um and honestly i think probably under blood red sky that live concert video i think that's what kind of made me want to be in a band and, and play music yeah. um i got to go to red rocks once there was no show going on but i get to go sure. up there and walk around walk around on the stage which was like you know, kind of like the Holy Grail for me. Yeah. Um, I'd still love to see a show there. But, you, you know, you two, uh, especially, you know, their early stuff, especially. Um, was really into them. When I got into metal, uh, there was a band from Boston called Wargasm. Oh, I've heard the name before. I've actually yeah. never listened to them, but. Uh, they have a record called Why Play Around that okay. is considered, you know, just a, a masterpiece of late 80s thrash yeah um and band that never really got the recognition or the you know kind of the the accolades that that they deserve a lot of that had to do with the label they were on and sure whatever but uh that you know they could overlook but that record and you know i have friends now i I was so into them and i think i got uh, you know i was such a fan i would talk about them all the time a lot of my friends just kind of kind of blew them off you know what i mean it's like you know you know know, when your friend just oversells something 
but one of my closest friends a couple of years ago was like, dude, why play around? Right. And we yeah. were just talking about it. And he's like, you know, like I never really, never really gave it its due back in the day, but holy shit. Yeah. Um, what, what a record. So, um, you know, you two wargasm, uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head here. Like, right. Cause I'm sure like you that like, there's so many different bands that I'm into for so many different reasons and yeah. depending on mood and. Okay. Well, well, I kind of sprung that on you. Let's, let's ask this. Let me ask this. What were your bands? What, what, what were your bands that you started and, and played in? Oh God. Uh, first like real band I was in was a death metal band. Okay. Uh, and that gave way to kind of like a progressive thrash band. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like, what did you play? War- I'm a drummer. Oh, you're a drummer. A drummer. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, picture like fate's warning meets iron maiden meets nuclear assault with, you know, something like that. Um, I did like, I, I, I was in like this, so you got Almost, all the chicks then with the oh oh, oh yeah oh all the time yeah right 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 they always um, come to the dream theater shows yeah absolutely. <laughs> um god I, you know i i'm i played in a hardcore band i played nice. in just kind of more of like a rootsy like you know rock kind of thing i don't even yeah. know you know really what it was it was just kind of like its own sort of thing um the last real band that i was in was kind of like a like a very quicksand influenced um you know post hardcore thing and you know it's crazy to me thinking about you know it's almost almost 20 years ago at this point yeah um that's cool i've never i never you know i've listened to you a ton on like the old mlw podcast and stuff i had no idea you you were a musician yeah yeah and it's very near and dear to me um i'm the kind of I'm the kind of musician that uh, it's weird. I have to, I, I like, I have to feel it. I'm not one. Of, I'm not. I'm not one of those players that will like, hey man, you want to jam or hey, you want to be in a band and just kind of do it sort of half-assed. Like, if I if I'm not really really into it, I don't really have a desire to do it. I get bored really easily. Um, it's kind of a curse because I'm sure I've missed out on some stuff and whatever. But it's like I, I really have to feel it to do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I haven't really done anything musically and, you know, since that last band broke up, I haven't really done a whole lot. Um, you know, but I have drums here. Uh, I have have an electronic kit that I, I bang around on. So Steve Miggs also a drummer. He is right. And, and, you know, the funny thing is I I joked with Miggs about this. I was a goalie as well. Oh, I was a hockey guy growing up. (laughs) Steve, uh, Steve is, I'm sure. I know, I know he, uh, he went for the Kraken tryouts yep. and, uh, you know, I, I saw a video of him and he's definitely the uh, much better goaltender than I ever was. Yeah. Right. You know, there are times that I, I couldn't stop a beach ball, but, uh, you know, I did it. I, I had fun doing it. So nice. So you, you bring up hockey and, and, um, you know, I, uh, I have to ask, so you started <clears throat> in, in, um, play by play doing hockey. Is that right? I did. I did, yeah. Did you go to school for for journalism, or how did you get uh, into doing play by play and whatnot? Oh, uh, it's kind of kind of by happenstance. Um, I went to school for uh, originally I was going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Rhode Island College, which is known as um, it's the teacher college. It's where you go okay. if you want to become a teacher in Rhode Island. It's where you go. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I thought I was going to do that, and I was involved in college radio. Um. You know, as the early 90s 92 yeah. 90, uh, well god no sorry 94 I'm confusing myself but anyway you know like mi- mid 90s so it's a great time for college radio 
oh, it was fantastic. You know, so being part of college radio and I'm, you know, you can probably relate to this. Like you got everything. So you, you heard stuff, you were constantly getting oh, new music yeah. and before the internet, like that, you know, there, how could you listen to every, you couldn't afford to go and buy everything. Right. So promo CDs were like gold. Oh, it's, it's, it was yes. tremendous. So, yeah. you know, stuff would come in, you get to check stuff out. So, um, so I did that and, uh, somewhere along the way decided that I don't want to be stuck in Rhode Island my entire life. Like I mm -hmm. thought about being a radio DJ for a little bit and kind of decided, you know, that, that wasn't going to be for me. Um, you know, having to stick to a format and a playlist and do yeah, that. Fuck just, radio DJs. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Fuck those guys. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it would have had to be the kind of thing, you know, probably lay it like you do where you kind of have your own, you get to kind of play yeah, you a want, specialty right? show. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, so I didn't really see that as being a viable option. Um, and uh you know along, along the way like i ended up becoming a dad you know mm -hmm. when i was in my early 20s and you know anyway i you know something just kind of hit me one day where i was like you know i gotta figure something out i gotta yeah I, I i quit school for a little bit when my kid was born and anyway i was working at a record store and mm -hmm. i remember going outside on my break and sitting in the car and listening to a hockey game I used to listen to the Bruins all the time on the radio, yeah. but I happened to be listening to the Providence Bruins, which is their AHL team. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, that's actually a thing, you know, because I loved hockey, played a little bit in high school. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, to me, it was like, well, wait a minute, that melds radio and it melds hot. Like, it's two things that, that I'm interested in. So I set off on this crazy idea to be an NHL announcer. And, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have the luxury of, you know, going to a school that had college hockey. Yeah. You know, if you go to Boston university or places like that, they have student radio that covers the hockey game. So you mm -hmm. kind of get a leg up. I would literally drive around to AHL games with a tape recorder and, uh, you know, started, I, I interned, <clears throat> I, I weaseled my way, my, my way in, I interned for, uh, for the Providence Bruins for a year. And then for the team that was in Worcester, the old Worcester Ice Cats. And through those connections, I, I was able to, you know, get a press pass. So I would drive around wherever. I go to Manchester, I'd go to Lowell, I'd go like you name it. Any Hartford, I would I would go to Hartford all the time. Mm -hmm. Um anywhere I could go that had room to put me in the press box where I could sit down all by myself, away from everybody, so I'm not annoying anybody. And I would sit there and I would call the game. And I'd get in the car and I'd have an hour ride home or whatever, and I'd pop the tape in and listen to it and cringe or like, wow. Oh, you know, you get little nuggets. But, oh, I actually like how I sounded there. So you commit those things to memory. Um, that's really cool. I, that's <clears throat> wow. Okay. That's a really unique and like on the, on, wow. That's really cool. Uh, one thing led to another and why well, wouldn't you know, no, no necessarily call it cool, but it's unique. Yeah. And it's, yeah and it's, it, it, it definitely not there. There's no cool factor there <laughs> at all. There's none, but, none, none whatsoever. But it's a way to do it. I mean, back before, you know, you could stream any game and record it on your computer. That was how you had to do it. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually had a, uh, it was an old, uh, it was a Tascam 4-track. Mm -hmm. It was a Fostex. I think it was Tascam. And that's what I would bring with me. And then that broke and I bought one of the old fashioned uh, Radio Shack tape recorders. You know, it's like the, you know, the skinny ones. It's got the speaker in it, right? Yep. And I would just record in the, you know, I'd had a headset um, that was a hand-me-down headset. Um, and I remember doing it, you know, hand, a handheld mic doing yeah. it. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I would, I would do that. And then um, 
just sent out tapes, you know, and eventually CDs, right? And yeah. uh, actually got my first shot to do it for real in uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, for a team in the United Hockey League. Um, some of the some of the hockey, if there's any hockey heads listening, the coach there was Terry Ruskowski, who was uh, if you look him up. He played for the Peng- He was a captain of every NHL team he played for. He played for the yeah. North Stars, played for the Penguins, the Blackhawks, played with Gordie Howe in Winnipeg. Wow. Um, was it Winnipeg? Uh, anyway. Um, but it's Winnipeg, uh, you idiot. <clears throat> did he play Chris in Jerich- Winnipeg? No, that's a Chris Jericho line. It's Winnipeg, you idiot. No, I'm trying. I'm, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm questioning myself now if he played in Winnipeg. But point is, uh, I, you know, he gave me my first real job in hockey and, uh, you know, I I did that for uh, for for a number of years and worked in the AHL for a bit. Worked in the yeah. United League. Worked in the you know I spent five years in the Central Hockey League on on the Mexican border down in uh, in wow. Texas. Um, had a great five year run there. Uh, ended up becoming the PR guy for the team in Houston, the AHL team that was in Houston. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. And that's kind of how I ended up in wrestling. It's because I was in Houston, and that's kind of that's what led me to that. So. Um, yeah, hockey was, uh, man, I had a lot of fun, I had a lot of fun, probably a little too much fun at times, which probably explains why I'm not in the NHL, but, um, it was a fun time and I learned a lot, had a blast and yeah. you know, what, what, an, what, what an experience, you know? So were you always a wrestling fan? Did you grow up a wrestling fan? Were you knowledgeable about it and whatnot? <clears throat> no, for sure. For sure. Grew up, um, uh, if I didn't mention it right outside of Providence, uh, a town called Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the Red Sox used to have their farm team. Um, so grew up like literally going to minor league baseball games from the time that I can remember. I lived like within a couple blocks of the stadium. So I've yeah. always kind of had this connection to stadiums and crowds yeah. and, you know, live events or whatever. Uh, wrestling, you know, during the Hulkamania craze that kind of drew me in. Yeah. But as much as I liked the WWF and you know, that at the time they would still run monthly mm-hmm. in Providence and Boston. If it wasn't monthly, then it was pretty close to that. The old mass tapings for mm-hmm. all their syndicated programs. Uh, and even just house shows, okay. they would, you know, even, even just like monthly house shows, they, they would come through. Yeah. Um, so, so as much as I, I enjoyed that and went to that, I was really more of a fan of Crockett and the stuff that I saw on TBS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they finally came up, they did a show in Boston in 87. And I went to that. It was April of 1987. And that was like, for me, like the first time I saw the Road Warriors live, you know, saw Flair, saw Dusty, like yeah, <clears throat> the Midnight Express, like the Rock and Roll, you know, all of that. Arn and Tully, like that's what really got me into it. Um, So it was definitely like like a big fan. I'd watch the AWA, like you know, on, on, on ESPN, like probably a lot of us did world-class when that was available, just whatever wrestling I could watch, I would watch. And, uh, but Crockett, the NWA stuff was really what I was into. Um, kept up with it, you know, in high school, didn't watch it as much. I didn't really, I didn't really like WCW once they, they got kind of glitzy and they tried to copy the WWE, WWF. Um, I like the old gritty su- Southern wrestling, right? The the, yep. the 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 dark arena that's kind of smoky and that's more sport based than sure, you know, than than you know, entertainment based. Um, I remember in college, in my dorm one night, I remember walking downstairs in the common room, and a couple of friends were watching wrestling tapes. At that point, I hadn't 
you know, I would, it was always in the periphery, you know, even in my teen years, if I wasn't really watching them, I was always sure. in the periphery at, at least. Um, but I remember seeing them in there and I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, watching old wrestling tapes. So we, we started talking. They actually introduced me to ECW, which is probably, yeah. this is probably 96 or 97. Um, and so ECW would come on, on a station at this low power station in Providence nice. that you had to have rabbit ears to get. Yeah. Come on at like one in the morning or something. So I, I would try to catch that when I could, um, you know, and again, like kind of was in and out of it and in, 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 in and out of it. And, uh, it really took me getting to Texas and having time on my hands for the first time in a long time that to kind of really get me back into it a little more, yeah. um, a, a little heavier. Um, but yeah, you know, from the time I was a kid, I've, I've always loved it. Um, you know, it's always been, always been something I enjoyed, you know, yeah. at, at, at sometimes more than other times, but sure. it's always, it's always been part of, uh, I've, I've, I've always had it. I've always had an interest. So then you go down to Houston and do you, do you hook up with Booker T's reality of wrestling? Is that how you start? Yep. I actually started with NWA Houston. Okay. Um, turn. So when I was in the, in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, Bruce Tharp, who was the NWA owner for a while, president. Mm-hmm. He is, um, he's a lawyer and from Brownsville, Texas, which is not far from McAllen. He ran a show. Um, it's actually kind of funny thinking about it. It was, it it was in an empty circuit city building. Oh, wow. Okay. Circuit city had folded. (laughs) That sounds like, like indie wrestling, dude. Yeah, it was, but they put like, like 1500 people there. Blue demon junior. Wow. A bunch of other guys. And I I really didn't know anything at this point. This is, I think 2008. I didn't really know a whole lot about independent wrestling was always interested in it. Just didn't have the time with, you know, the hockey schedule and whatever. Just didn't really have the time to, to follow it as, you know, as much as I wanted. Um, but a friend of mine was ringing out in that show and he's like, Hey, you want to come with me? Eh, all right, whatever. So I ended up ringing the bell. That was my job for it for the night. Yeah. Right? I, I got to ring the bell, which to me, that was like the coolest thing ever. Oh yeah. I get to be like, the timekeeper. Right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it was like, all right, cool. So, you know, a year, maybe two years later, I, I moved to Houston and Bruce's friend was running a promotion. And it turns out that I knew this guy from doing, because I, I did arena football for a little bit. Part of the okay. hockey thing was you do arena football in the off season. So this guy had worked for an arena football team that was based in the, in the Houston area. And, but I didn't realize that I sent him a note on the website saying, Hey, like, I'd like to be involved. I worked with Bruce, blah, 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 blah. And he emails me back. He's like, Hey, Rich, it's Chris. This guy, Chris Ronquillo. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's, you know, he had his, he had his work at Tony Brooklyn or something. He's like, Rich this is Chris from the, you know, the football yeah. team, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I, I got involved with them. And, uh, my initial thing was I wanted to referee. I didn't want to ring announce. I wanted to be a referee. It's, yeah. you know, so I actually trained a little bit. Okay. Uh, Chaz Taylor and, and, and Tug Taylor. They had this place downtown Houston, like stuff you'd see out of, out of movies, like this old garage and this like rat infested, falling apart, just decrepit building that they, they knew somebody and they let them put a, a put a ring up. Sure. It was like literally maybe a block behind Minute Maid Park where the Astros okay. play. Yeah. Right. Went down there. You know, I, it was in the summer. It was like 110 degrees in that place. Perfect. Great. Yeah. Right. Kind of learned how to run the ropes a little bit. Yeah. Um, Still can't take a bump. I I just can't do it. Yeah. But learned how to shit can myself out of the ring and, and sure. do some of that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
but what they needed was a ring announcer. So I kind of got forced into being the ring announcer. Yeah. One thing leads to another. My friend that introduced me to Bruce at the time was working for Booker. Yeah. He got a gig with the Harlem Globetrotters going on tour with them. Wow. So Booker needed a play-by-play guy. So yeah. I got involved with that. And the rest, they say, my friend, is history. Here we are. So you then transition into getting into the NXT and then eventually WWE system. Um, I'm curious, like, how did that, how did that come <laughs> about? Were they just, is, was it because, you know, you were in, uh, you know, in contact and working for Booker T and then he kind of brought you in that way or how did that work? Um, so, so book, if he believes in you and if you work hard, he will go to bat for you. Awesome. Um, but on the same hand, I was kind of hesitant to ask him because I didn't want him to think that the only reason that I was part of reality wrestling was to kind of butter him up to, sure. Hey man, you're like, yeah. you're my meal ticket to WWE. Like yeah. it, it really was the furthest thing from my mind when I got involved. It was never like this goal. Like I'm going to go and do this to get to WWE. Like, yeah, I thought it was delusional thinking. And I, I even said that I was like, I have no delusions of grandeur. I'm doing this because I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a means to an end. It was <clears throat> the, the end. Yeah, right. That was like, yeah. So the hockey team that the Houston arrows, the team, they moved to, uh, to Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten married and my wife and I decided, ah, I don't, I don't feel like going to Des Moines. Right. She had a job that she liked. Um, so we stayed put in Houston and I got a job working for, uh, um, for TV network based out of Houston that uh let's just say things didn't go well with with the company sure um and uh, comcast sportsnet houston was the name of it um if you're into you know you can google it and see what happened but basically it's right about the time that all the sports media rights started to kind of implode a little bit Mm -hmm. and a lot of like you know you hear about it all the time carriage disputes with you know like i know like, like up in the pacific northwest like the blazers and comcast like a lot of people couldn't watch blazers games sure same thing in Houston. We had the Rockets and the Astros. So same thing. And and it just was not a good environment, not a good spot for me. Hated it. And I was looking for an exit. Uh, Friend of mine, I I worked for for a a sports radio station in Houston part-time. And the guy who was the program director there um, suggested that I talk to the the Texans because they had a spot open in their kind of like PR broadcasting department. Cool. So I interviewed for that, didn't get it. Um, but the guy that I interviewed with, who's their play-by-play guy, really pumped my tires. And he, and he was like, dude, like, you should be calling Major League Sports somewhere. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, rode the buses in the minors. It's such a, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Anyway, I, I mentioned it to my wife at the time, and she's like, you need to talk to Booker. I was like, ah, I don't know. I haven't really been there that long, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, she convinced me to talk to him and he was like immediately receptive to it. He's like, yeah, man, get me, you know, get me a reel. I'll send it to them. And that, you know, took about nine months, eight or nine, eight or nine months. But finally, like by the end of the year, I, you know, I had met with Cole, Michael yep. Cole. He had yep. come into it to a reality wrestling show, sent them my stuff. They brought me in for a tryout and. And, and there I was, it was, I was yeah. I, like, I was like, how did I get here? You know, it wild. was, uh, it was pretty, pretty wild. 
Absolutely, man. So yeah, it was nuts. I think about it now, and I'm like, like, how the fuck did that even happen? It's <laughs> it's like seriously, it's it's. I look back on it now, and it's 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 insane to me. It really is. So you know, during your time there in in, in WWE and that whole system NXT and WWE. What's something you learned from that, you know, that was like, that's like a positive thing that you can take from that and like maybe bring to your, your wrestling uh, commentary and then, or just your life. What's something positive you, you got from that? Probably, you know, the positive, when it comes to wrestling, like I, I just, I learned just so much about the business and the presentation of it and what it, <clears throat> what it actually is. Yeah. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and say, I know how to put a match together, but um. I, I can view it with more of a critical eye now and, and re- really, really have a better understanding of what the stories are, what the stories are, you know, what the stories they're trying to tell are, mm-hmm. how to tell those stories. And, you know, a, a lot of stuff just comes with time and with repetition. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, you, you know, for, for lack of a better term, I've seen how the sausage is made. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can, I can look at like, I can watch a match now and I can be like, Oh, okay. They're doing this. Yep. Oh, there's the cutoff. Okay. Here's oh, the end. They, they, Oh, Oh, you missed that spot. Oh, but nice recovery. Like yep. I can, I can kind of see some of these things. Um, you know, and it's funny. And, and you hear all the time with like, you know, I, you know, you know, you're a crusty old man, Cornette, stop yelling at the cloud. Like, you know, yeah. or you hear Jim Ross talk about stuff. Oh, you know, I wish they'd slow down. I understand why they say that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, to, to a lot of fans that, uh, you know, that, that are just watching it from an entertainment perspective, they may enjoy some of the cacophony and, you know, the million mile an hour stuff. As an announcer, you want the guys to slow down and grab a hold or something because you can't tell a story if they're yeah. constantly doing shit. You know that what I mean? Sense. That makes sense. So, and that. you know, I, I remember sitting in the uh, in the in the commentary room at the performance center, and we'd have some of the talent come through and we'd call a, call a match or two with them. And the thing that we'd always point out would be like, "Look, right here, like you've got them in a headlock. That's when I'm going to tell the story. I'm not going to tell it while you're doing this some intricate spot. I'm going to tell it while you're you're cranking in a headlock. You know, so and so told me this earlier today, and he blah 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 blah." That's when you do that stuff. Um, so the positive is that I, you know, I, I learned, you know, the I, I guess the foundations of, of, of what, you know, I guess like what wrestling is or how to present it. Yeah. You know, not saying I'm an, I'm, I'm an expert, like I know better than, than anybody else, but um, I've made the comparison before that being at the performance center, I don't, I don't know what it's like now, but being at the performance center at that time, it was, Honestly, it was like grad school. It was like going yeah. to wrestling grad school. Like Dusty Rhodes was there. Yeah. Um, I learned from Dusty. Terry Taylor was there. Norman Smiley. Robbie Brookside. Like I love Robbie. You know, Jason Albert was the the trainer. Yep. Um, or you know Matt Bloom. You know, so many different names, right? Yep. Um, just getting to learn from those people, and then learning from Michael Cole. Like people can shit yep. on Cole all they want, but Cole is the best at what he does. There's nobody better at doing what they want than him. Mm-hmm. This is just not. Well, he's got the longevity to prove it. So he absolutely does. And he keeps getting put back in that spot for a reason, you know? So um, more positives and negatives. You know, I saw the world, yeah. saw places I never, I never thought I'd see traveled the country. Yeah. Students, you know, nice hotels. Catering was tremendous. 
Yeah. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of negatives to it too. And those are well documented, I think, sure. for a lot of different people. But uh, you know, I try to focus on the on the positive of it. The, just the fact that I was even there. It's like yeah. a, a boyhood dream come true. It really was. I mean, whoever would have thought. Well, that's a good way to look at it because you know, you you said you know just a few minutes ago that that wasn't necessarily the goal. That wasn't necessarily like you, you didn't even have that like the delusions of grandeur, quote unquote. So even just going for it, you just took the ticket and you went on the ride and, and there you go. You got the stories what, to tell. What a ride it was too. Yeah. It was, you know, the, 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 you know, proverbial rocket ride. And, uh, you know, when the rocket went up, I was hanging on for dear life and boy, when it crashed, it certainly came down, but, uh, what a ride. <laughs> so what do you look, look for in like, how would you, say someone is a good play-by-play what makes a good play-by-play announcer in your opinion you know? oh boy um somebody who can tell me a story somebody who can explain what's going on and why i should care about it um somebody who doesn't put themselves first mm-hmm. is a big thing for me and you know we could debate the merits of that all all day but um I hear a lot, especially a lot of guys on the indies and, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of indie riffic announcing on the indies. There just is some the promoter's friend or whatever. And people, they, they're doing it to pop the boys in the back or whatever. Like, you know, they're not play, they're not play by play announcers by trade. Yeah. They've never done sports. They have no inkling of doing sports. Mm-hmm. There's no foundation there of what it means to actually be, a broadcaster, you know, maybe that makes me sound like I'm pretentious or something. But to me, if you if you're gonna put yourself in that spot, you should care about it. It shouldn't be something you're doing just for shits and giggles. Um, which is maybe you know you could probably take what I said before, like that it wasn't the goal to get to WWE, but I always took it seriously. I always yeah. tried to pre- present it in a way that was like a professional broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big fan of announcers who try to get themselves over. Um, a color guy, you can do that, and that's part of what the shtick is. But as a play-by-play guy, you know, like Jim Ross never had to try to get himself over. He was just himself. Yep. There are a lot of play-by-play guys who, I'm going to call it like it is, they try, they try to get themselves over, and it's obvious, and it's annoying. Just call the fucking match, dude. Call the match. Yeah. Tell me why I should care about these two people and what the stakes are in this match. And then the rest will the, the rest will come from there. Um, I you know, I've I've made the kind of the quip that like I I'll I'll never be ranked in anybody's I'll never be in the wrestling observer top ten of the year, top five of the year. You know what I mean? I'm never gonna be somebody somebody's like you know, some people say, well, oh, I'm not a memorable announcer or whatever. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with that. I would, ra- I would rather be the Bob Cottle of this generation yeah. than to be the guy who is, you know, getting whatever because he says weird shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense to you. No, it makes sense to me. So, so, you know, we're talking about memorable announcers, though, that you brought that up. In your opinion, though, like, who who are some of your like maybe heroes of that you know like what 
it, when you think of like your Mount Rushmore of wrestling announcers, who's on there? Yeah, I mean, you have to put Vince up there. What a maneuver. What a maneuver. <laughs> you know, for a million different reasons. And then from know. there. And I'm not saying he's on top for me either, but definitely, you know. You, I mean, he's the voice of my childhood. Yeah, well, exactly. Him and Gorilla. Um, definitely gorilla. I always loved Shivani growing up. Oh yeah. And not, not WCW Shivani. NWA Crockett Shivani. Yeah. Um, and getting to work with him at MLW. That was for me like, holy shit. Yeah. Right. That was awesome. Um, and that's what got him back in, dude. That's what got yeah. him back into wrestling. He was out of the game, dude. And, yep. and you know, you, you sitting alongside him as his love started to, to come back. Was he, really he, cool. he he would just marvel sometimes about some of the moves yeah and he'd ask me off the years like what do you call that and he'd just kind of chuckle a little bit like um he was a lot of fun to work with and you I can tell that he's just stoked to be there when you watch aew he's just oh, having yeah. a good time you're like yeah. dude he's the best um you know bob coddle i mentioned him for for a reason you know he's just a straightforward wrestling announcer yep right um a name that a lot of people probably don't remember but I, I i enjoyed certain things that he did uh rod trongard who did the awa had that classic i'm ron you know, trongard yes he had that classic announcer voice <laughs> and i you know that i didn't love everything he did but there there was you know there's certain things that, that i would pick and choose from from different announcers that yeah. that, that i would like um you know, Jim, Jim Ross, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'll say it out loud. Like I was never the hugest Jim Ross fan, Sure, but he's excellent at what he does. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely things that, that I picked up from him. Um, to me, Jim Ross is the guy that bumped out Shivani sure. Crockett. You know what I mean? And it changed yeah. the dynamic of the David Crockett Shivani thing. Oh, why is this UWF guy coming in here? Like, yeah, you know, so that so there's still there's you know maybe some of that in in, in the back of my mind, um, but you know, and that's not saying I don't think Jim's. It, I mean, he's a legend. He's an excellent announcer. Yeah. So you know, those are some of the guys right there. I mean, outside of wrestling, um, probably my my favorite announcer that ever did anything was Fred Cusick, who did the Bruins on TV. Okay. Fred Fred Cusick and Derek Sanderson were a team on Channel Thirty Eight in Boston, and you know he's why I wanted to become a hockey announcer. Mine's so. Dave Niehaus for the for the Mariners. No kidding, yeah. My yeah. oh my. Yep. Yep. Right on. Oh, and Kevin Calabro from the Sonics. I loved Kevin Calabro with the Sonics. But you know, those are local guys. So yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. probably no. I mean, you you were all around all all of the announcers. I'm sure you studied all of that stuff. So yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So I'm curious about how you got involved with Defy. Uh, I sent Jim an email. <laughs> nice. Okay. So this this was after I got the old heave ho from WWE. Mm -hmm. uh, I was out of wrestling for a little bit, and at that yep. point, I was just kind of done with it. Yeah. Um, Tony from Fest brought me back into it. Yeah. Uh, and the, just the, the the quick story of that is a friend of mine was playing Fest. Mm. The band he was in was doing a reunion at Fest. What band? He's like, uh, Ladderman. Oh, cool. Nice. So, yeah, dude. Uh, Mike, the uh, I don't know if he played guitar or bass in that band. I I knew him. I saw Matt. This I'll go back a little bit. I saw Matt Pon play mm -hmm. in Jacksonville, and 
Mike looked like my ex-wife's like kind of ex-boyfriend, mutual friend of ours. Sure. So I tag, I take a picture and I tag this guy, Brian yeah. in a tweet. Like, why is Brian playing bass for Matt Pond PA? So yeah. Mike saw it. We became, we become friends, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, I get booted and he sends me, a note. Hey man, we're playing fest. You should come up and hang out. Okay, fine. So he sends Tony a note. Tony's like, Tony was familiar with who I was. He's like, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, he's like, Hey, by the way, we're doing wrestling. You have any interest in doing commentary? And I was like, oh, oh. right. Yes. And I said, well, listen, I'll tell you what, get me a hotel room for the weekend. Give my wife a pass. I'll come up and I'll do it. Nice. So we came up and we hung out and I was like, okay, this, if, if this is all I do, whatever, fine. Yeah. Right. But I kind of got the itch a little bit. Uh-oh. Right? This would have been in 2016. Mm-hmm. Kind of get the itch a little bit. And, but you know, I didn't want to do, I don't want to spread myself thin. Yep. And I didn't want to do a whole lot of hoo-ha wrestling, if you will. Sure. F- Fest is about as hoo-ha wrestling as I'm willing to go. What, right? what do you mean by that? Kind of like just not jokey just, comedy kind of just, yeah. Just like not, I don't want to see not, not, not. I mean, they have a pickle on a pole match. Pick, pickle in the tree. Right. Pick, it's, it's pickle in the tree. Pickle in the tree match. Okay. Pick, pickle in the tree. Yeah. Sorry to get it wrong. Sorry to get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just, a, just a lot of like, it's just high spot wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, there's not a whole lot of psychology going on. Um, so I don't want to do too much of that. I was like, I don't, you know, I don't mind a little bit of it in my diet every now and then, but I, yeah. you know, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to do junk wrestling. Sure. Um, I saw one of the videos that, that Defy put out and I was just like, man, this, this looks like the kind of stuff I want to do. Yeah. And this is pretty early on. I had sent Jim an email. I didn't even know it was Jim. It was just Defy. Yep. Right. You know, the Defy email. Mm-hmm. And I got a note back and he's like, Hey, you know, we don't really have any of the budget right now. Or, you know, we're not really sure what we're doing with this stuff, but let's keep in touch. Right. Okay. And I want to say we might've messaged, messaged each, each other a couple times or talked or whatever. But anyway, it was like, I want to say towards the end of 2017, maybe the beginning of 2018, he, uh, Jim sent me an email and he's like, Hey, do you still want to do this stuff? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you said you can do stuff remotely too. Right. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I, I can do that. So he's like, all right, well, how would you feel about doing it by yourself? And I was like, Ooh, oh, that's kind of, that's an ask. You know what I yeah, mean? That's a lot yeah. to, <clears throat> but I was like, you know what the hell with it? Let's try it and, and see what happens. It's going to be and, the Joey um, styles of defy dude. Oh yeah. yeah right? Play by play yeah. and color. Right. Right. So, um, here we are now, you know, four years. I don't know. I can't even keep yeah. track anymore. Four years, five years later, whatever it is about to be celebrating five years uh, coming right, up for Defy. Right. So, but you've been with it at it for uh, four years, four years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it happened. And, um, you know, not to, you know, pull the curtain back too much, but 99% of the stuff that you, you hear for Defy and, you know, I don't know if, how much you want to get into this or not. Um, most of most of what I've done has been called remotely. I've only called two shows at Washington Hall. That must have been cool to be there, though, to to like because you've seen so much of it, and to actually be there at Washington Hall and get to call it live. That must have been something special. Yeah, you know, and the, the first time that I was out there, I, I was the ring announcer mm-hmm. at uh, year three, the 
the third year anniversary. I think it was the third, the one that, where the young bucks showed up. Oh yeah. Right. So I was the ring announcer, but I didn't call any action that night. Mm-hmm. Migs wasn't there. So I, I was the ring announcer that night. Um, so like I said, 99% of what you hear watching Defy now it's recorded in post from, you know, wherever I am at that given moment, Orlando, Orlando, Gainesville, if I'm on the road, then, you know, I've done stuff on the road before. Um, I actually take like a, a, a pretty, I don't want to say, I don't want to say a heavy hand, but I'm actually pretty involved in the post-production end of it. Yeah. One of the things that, that was important to me is I wanted to make it sound like I was there. Yeah. And I think I, I think we achieved that. Nick, yeah, Nick Gatman's our, yeah. Nick Gatman's our, you know, our, our editor, he does a great job. Um, you know, I've worked closely with him over the past couple of years, just, you know, tweaking our, our, our workflow and, and whatever. But the big thing for me was just, see, you can watch a lot of indie wrestling and you can tell that the announcers aren't there. You can yeah. tell it's been done in post. It sounds like they're in somebody's basement or it sounds like they're in a trash can or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. The big thing for me was to make it sound like you're there. And um, there are different ways to achieve that. Um, but that's, you know, that, that, that was, that was something important to me. And I, you know, I, I think that we're at least mildly successful at it. Absolutely, man. So, so uh, what about defy makes it stand out to you now that you've been with it for four years? What, you know, you, you do, mm. you know, commentary for other wrestling companies, but what about defy makes it um, so unique to you? Uh, there's a there's a lot of things um i like the fact that it's it's my you know it's a modern style without a lot of hoo-ha yeah it's not a lot of bullshit um it's uh it feels very old school it kind of looks old school but in a modern way right like it's like an artistic take on old school yeah it really is and you know the venue is awesome the fans are, are awesome um, there really is no other atmosphere like it. There's really not. I, I mean, I've called wrestling all over the place. Um, it's, it, it's hard to really maybe put a finger on, on, on why, why it's so special, how it's so special. It, it just is. Um, you know, I've talked to Jim a little bit about this too. Like you could look at NXT, you could go back and, you know, 2014, 2015 NXT, the thing that made it's like music too, right? Mm-hmm. When you're in on something and it's kind of its own thing and you kind of, there's that sense of like self-discovery that makes it feel like it's your own. Yeah. That's a very important part of what Defy is, in my opinion. Um, and that was a very important part of what NXT was. As soon as NXT started going out of that, they go to Brooklyn, they do that. You start to lose what it is. So I'm not saying that Defy shouldn't run other places, but to me, you know, and, and, and I, you know, there've been different talks like, you know, going, you know, going to Portland or, you know, there were shows in LA or going to Montana or going whatever. But to me, like your home base, Wa- Washington hall being the home base, like there's, there's something there. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, there's a lot of ingredients that come together to make that, that you can't necessarily replicate. So totally. Um, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why that, it, why that is the fans are a big part of it, but, um, everything just kind of works together, uh, to make it, it's just a very special, very special thing, a very special place. 
it's 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 the you know defies ecw arena I, i'd say you know it's it's yeah. definitely our spot man it's it's that is just you know that and that venue you know is is history you know jimmy mm-hmm. hendrix played there fugazi fugazi there. yeah yep, yeah yep. it's just crazy so you know that this is uh is interesting a couple of years ago jeremy enig did a, a, a solo tour and he played in gainesville mm-hmm. and so so i went and got to talk to him afterwards and it was, it was actually it's funny it was actually the night or a couple of days before i was flying out to defy for the first time for yeah. year three yeah and i mentioned to him i said hey you're familiar with washington hall right he's like oh yeah of course you know he didn't know what defy was he's not a like a wrestling fan wrestling or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh you know i, I asked him and you know i told him you know, i'm gonna be out there in a couple of days for for defy wrestling whatever it's you know really cool thing if you're ever ever around you should definitely yeah. you know check it out it's a very cool seattle thing and you know, okay whatever but you know it was just interesting to me that of course like you mentioned it to Jeremy Enig, and he, oh yeah, of course I don't Washington Hall. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. So actually, you asked me about bands. That's another band right there. Sunny Day, Sunny Real, Day Estate. Real Estate. Yeah, Incredible. Diary is just oh. yeah, amazing. So yeah, absolutely, man. I think I own that on every format. You know, tape, vinyl, CD, all of it. It's great. And you know, a lot of their stuff too. Like even the, like Fire Theft, I thought was excellent. Oh yeah. You know, they, but they, nobody ever talks about them. But Return anyway. of the Frog King. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah his solo stuff's really good too yeah um okay man well uh so you've you know called a lot of matches i'm not going to make you you know pull up you know a a match out of your head you know your favorite matches but just if you can think of what are what are a couple moments over the last four years that really um stand out as really cool moments oh man for for defy obviously yeah for defy um yeah it's you know i was thinking about how many matches i've called the other day and I was trying to do the math. Like, I know how many hockey games are like roughly around how many hockey games because sure. you can go back and say, okay, this season was 72 games or this season sure. was, you know, 82. You know, you can do that. Wrestling's weird. It's like, because some cards have 15 matches, others have six, right? Yep. Um, I think I probably two or 3,000 matches or something God, like damn. that. It's, it's crazy yeah. when, when, when I think about it. Um, moments you know randy winning the title was oh, one of those yeah one of those things that was just like you know wrestling is emotion mm-hmm. um and whether that emotion is catharsis whether it's you know retribution that there, there there's some there you know i guess there's really only a few emotions when, when it's all said and done a lot of times it is catharsis. A lot of times it is retribution. Yeah. Um, but there are different reasons why. And that that's when I talk about storytelling. That's why storytelling is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, God, you know, just Randy wouldn't, that was, it was just such a, yeah. you know, it, because, because there's, there's so many sub meanings to that as well. Right. Things that are, things that are probably unspoken. Yeah. You know who Randy is and who he represents and why he represents those people, um, and and I, I don't want to say those people, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Us, the weirdos. So, yeah, like you know, um, you know, a, a similar thing probably at, at Fest Wrestling when you know Effie won the Fest yes. Wrestling title, mm-hmm. and the reaction that some of the fans because we get a lot of trans fan, gay fans, like whatever that meant a lot to them yeah you know and it's a very it's a very cool thing to be able to be a part of that and to 
to kind of help tell that story for, you know, for a lot of different reasons, it's, it's important to me. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, but, something that was not to butt in, but something that okay. was uh, memorable and was just, you know, just a couple shows ago was that Nick Wayne versus Joey Janela match. Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude. You know, what's funny. I talked to Joey. That's another one too. And, and I'm glad you mentioned it, but that match for a couple different re- reasons, obviously Nick, and what he means to the people at Defy and in the Pacific Northwest because of his dad and et cetera, et cetera. For Joey, he, I think he showed, I, I think he probably proved a lot of people wrong in that match. Yeah. Showing that he can work, you know, that he's not just the one trick pony that can jump off, flame, you know, jump off a roof through flaming tables, right? Yep. So I, th- I think he has that monkey on his back that people think he's a fucking garbage Stunt, wrestler. Stuntman right? guy. Yeah. Stuntman, right. Yeah. So I was, you know, Again, not that my opinion means fuck all, but I, like I was impressed yeah. with with Joey in that match, um, and I hate to say I was probably even more impressed with Joey than I was with Nick because Nick he's got so he's got so much ahead of him. He's oh, just, he's yeah. phenomenal at what he does. Joey showed a ton of just showed so much in that match, um, yeah. and I I had talked to him in Chicago a couple weeks after that at at a Warrior Wrestling show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, you called an audible in that match, didn't you? He's like, yeah, which I didn't realize at the time. Sure. I went back and I watched it and I was like, I think I know when you told him. When did you tell him? Because I think I know. And he's like, oh, I didn't. And then he told me when, when he did. And I was like, oh, okay, I was wrong. Like, yeah, I guess yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. what the, I, I guess I don't know what the hell I'm talking about after all. Right. But um, it's the fact that he did that. Yeah. Right. I mean, how cool is that? And, you know. The match in it stands on its own, but now when you add that after the fact, then you kind of, and you know, and and I hate pulling the curtain back, and I I hate you know breaking. Well, this is for the Patreon, so we're it good. is it is no, I know, I know, but um, understanding that that happened in that match and the way he did that is that was really cool. That's it was awesome. really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other. You know, when I think of like crowd reactions, when the Lucha Brothers showed up for the first time, oh, that was yeah. insane. You know, when the Young Bucks showed up, that was yeah. nuts. Um, actual matches. God, I'm trying to think like. I think Aries and Strickland, mm-hmm. that always sticks out to me. The one where Aries stole yep. the title. Yeah. Kicked Shane in the, you know, it was a low blow or whatever. Yep. And then like, yep. you know, that was a a lot of fun to call and Absolutely. what a story they told in that, you know, there's a lot of Strickland matches that, you know, that whole run was so memorable for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, a lot of stuff kind of, I hate to say a lot of stuff kind of blends together for me because well, I, two, with 2000, 3000 matches, <laughs> I can imagine. Right. But you know, there are certain things that, that stand certain performers that stand out and I don't even like using that word performers, but, um, but yeah, you know, the, the moments f- for me, like, the one that really just sticks in my head is, is Randy. It, it really is. Yeah. Randy winning the title for me is just, um, I mean, what a, what a moment. Well, that's a great one, man. And, and um, my, my last question, as far as uh, announcing goes and, and as far as defy goes is uh, what's one wrestler that when they pop on the screen, when you're about to, to call a match that you're like, get excited about what's like one defy wrestler that you love calling their matches. Lately, I'm enjoying calling the midnight heat matches. Oh yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, just because you never know what kind of shenanigans they're gonna pull. 
and I'm I'm enjoying seeing the different ways that they're able to just piss everybody off. Yeah, it's a very like it's almost a very Midnight Express kind, Midnight Midnight Express type kind of mm-hmm. right. Like they're fucking weaselly. Yeah, and you know they're cheap wins, but like they're but they're you know what I mean. They're still like they're doing it the right way. In my Just this this past one, you know, the Bollywood boys got them beat, and then they were. Oh, don't out. tell me! Don't tell me! I haven't oh. seen it yet. I haven't oh, seen it yet. My don't bad. tell me! My I, bad. I, I, I want I want to have fresh eyes when I see it. Oh, I, I, I know I know I know what I know what the I know what the outcome is. I just don't know how. Okay, and I, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you gotta have fresh, you gotta have fresh eyes. No spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right on, man. Okay. Well, my last question I like to ask, you know, metal bands. When I interview <laughs> metal bands, I like to ask wrestlers, but this is the first time I'm asking a wrestling announcer. So I don't know if you'll have as epic of a story as some of these wrestlers do, but let's do it anyways. Pick a right. scar on your body and tell oh. us the story of how you got the scar. Okay. Um, I don't know if you can see eh, my camera sucks. Oh, can yeah, see I see that. that. Yep, yep, okay. yep. Uh, so that was, this is my, that's my hockey ring, if okay. you will. Cause you know, in sports, you know, when you win the title, you get a ring, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I was working for the team in Houston and we were in the Calder cup finals in 2011 mm-hmm. Calder cup in the American hockey league is the Stanley cup. Sure. So it's Houston against Binghamton and we're in Binghamton, New York. Mm-hmm. And me being the helpful public relations director that I am, I'm there for morning skate. Was it actually, was it game day? Was it a practice day? I think it was a game day. Pretty sure it was a game day. And, uh, or it might, I don't know. It's not important. I'm there at practice. Yeah. Being the helpful PR guy that I am, the Zam is going around. He's finishing up. So I say, well, I'll open the door so the boys can get out on the ice. Mm-hmm. At this rink, it was one of the, it was like the end, one of the end doors. So it, it wasn't a latch that you press down on. It wasn't the button. It wasn't the spring thing. It was just like the long bar that goes across. So I don't even mm-hmm. know how to really describe It's a long bar. It's got like a handle that pops out. Yep. And you have to take it and like flip it up and then slide it. Sure. Thing doesn't want to slide. So I'm fucking eh, jamming it or whatever, yep. right? And I'm kind of whatever. At the last second, I give it a good boom, right? And the bar just went right up against my hand on the thing. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to be good. Like, shit. So I run into the locker room. I look at it. It's not really bleeding. I'm like, oh, maybe it's not that bad. I put it under the sink, and it just opens up, just starts gushing blood. And I'm like. I feel my blood pressure drop. I feel my face get all white. And I'm like, oh, no. So I I lay down on the floor. Right? Yeah. One of the assistant coaches comes in to to go and pee. Mm -hmm. I'm in the training room. Steps over me with the skates on. He's like, like, Jesus Christ, Richie, did you tie one on last night? I'm like, not now. And I just hold up my hand. He's like, oh. He's like, let me get Jody for you. Right. So he's the yeah. trainer. Jody, come here. So he comes in. And it's like, all right, give me a minute. I got to finish taping up this guy. I'll get Doc. Right. Yeah. And because and the reason I lucked out in this regard, because it was the finals, the team doctor and the team dentist were traveling with us. Okay. So they call Doc. They come in. He comes in. He looks at me. He's like, oh, all right. Hang on. Let me get my stuff. So he goes over. 
they put me up on the training table. The dentist is talking to me just with all sorts of bad jokes. Of course, me, there's right? a dentist with you guys. It's hockey, man. Right. Okay. And in the meantime, so he, you know, he's telling jokes or whatever. And in the meantime, the doctor's over there. Literally, I'm laying on the training table. He's stitching me up. Damn. And he's like, you know, because of where it was, it's kind of a hard spot to stitch oh, yeah. up. So he's whatever. And uh, finally gets done with it. And he's like, okay, you're good to go. And my hand was all taped up. And I had to type out press releases and whatever with like God, one. Damn. And you don't think like, oh, you know, your thumb or whatever. Like I couldn't use these two fingers. So I'm like, oh, man, you know, but, uh, you know, we lost that series. Binghamton won the Calder Cup that year, but I got my I got my Calder Cup ring in the form of a form of a scar. So there you go. Worst injury in the hockey game was to the PR guy. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I think so. I like it, dude. Bridge, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. Of course, uh, if people want to follow along with you and, and, and all of your adventures, uh, where can they find you on, on online and whatnot? Uh, I'm on the, uh, the Twitter machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just follow me at rich Bokini. It's R I C H B O C C H I N I. So, uh, pretty much Twitter is I'm, I'm most active on there. Uh, any wrestling stuff I do is on there. I have an Instagram as well, but that's not wrestling related. It's just more personal stuff, but, um, yeah, follow me on Twitter. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much, man, and uh, happy holidays. Kevin, it's an honor to be on here with you. I'm glad we finally really got a chance to kind of shoot the shit a little bit, and, um, you know, hopefully I'll see you guys in the new year. Absolutely.